Well, when you work in a team, they hand out duties. So they hand out the first aid duty. There is the work and safety duty. And then there's the fire warden duty. This is one nobody wants because you have to wear a silly hat. You don't know what you're doing and nobody listens to you anyway. But that's what it's like to be a leader. And sooner or later, we will all find ourselves as a leader, whether we like it or not. It could be in the playground, it could be in the family, or it could be in the workplace. But sooner or later, whether we like it or not, we find ourselves as a leader. So our question today is this, what would Jesus say to the leader? So welcome again to our Feb Talks, where each week we ask this question, what would Jesus say? And each week we look at a different person that Jesus meets in the Bible, and we ask, what would Jesus say to this person, and what would Jesus say to me today? So today is week three in February, and we're looking at this question, what would Jesus say to the leader? Because in that Bible passage that we just heard, two people called James and John come up to Jesus and they ask Jesus to appoint them as leaders. James and John came to Jesus. Teacher, they said, we want you to do for us whatever we ask. Jesus asked, well, what do you want me to do for you? They replied, let one of us sit at your right and the other at your left in your glory. You don't know what you're asking, Jesus said. Can you drink the cup I drink or be baptised with the baptism I am baptised with? So two people called James and John, they're around today, they would look like this. Because we hear in the Bible they're called the sons of thunder. They were the muscle. They were hot-headed, hard-headed. And they asked Jesus to make them the leaders of the group. And Jesus is horrified that they would even ask. And he says, no. Now, this is a part of the story I just don't get because Hollywood tells me this is who I want as a leader. I want these guys as my leader. They're strong. They're rugged. They're handsome. Why wouldn't I want these guys to be leaders? And Jesus says this is exactly what we don't want to be as a leader. Why? Well, to answer this, we're going to have to hear the three things that Jesus says to the leader today. And this is coming in the form of a 20-minute talk from me now, followed by a question and answer from you guys. So think of whatever questions you want to ask. Text that question on the top of the screen, and I'll do my best to answer. So we ready. What would Jesus say to the leader? And what would Jesus say to me today? Today he says three things. The first thing is this. Leadership promises position, power, and prestige. Leadership promises position, power, and prestige. Jesus called them together and he said, You know that those who are rulers of the Gentiles lord it over them and their high officials exercise authority over them. If we're in leadership, it promises us position, power and prestige. I hate flies. So often I say to myself, if I was Prime Minister of Australia, I would make it compulsory for everyone in Australia to kill one fly a day. And that would get rid of 20 million flies per day. That would get rid of flies. And we all catch ourselves saying this, don't we? If I was Prime Minister of Australia, I would. I would what? I would get the trains running on time. If I was Prime Minister of Australia, I would make every Monday a compulsory holiday. If I was Prime Minister of Australia, I would get the Australian Wallabies winning again. We say these things because we think if we were Prime Minister, we would have power. Because that's what leadership promises us. Position, 
power and prestige. When sports people win, they enjoy the praise and worship of the people. And when we're in power, we expect the praise and worship of people as well. But that's not how leadership works. In fact, leadership experts say this is the least effective form of leadership. This is John Maxwell in his book Five Levels of Leadership and he talks about the five levels of leadership and he goes from bottom up. At the bottom, the least effective form of leadership is one where we rely on position, then one where we have a permission to lead, then one where we're producing, one where we're developing people and finding the pinnacle of leadership, the most effective form. So right down the bottom is position where people follow you because they have to. This is the least effective form of leadership. Daniel Goleman would agree in a Harvard Business Review published in 2000 titled Leadership That Gets Results, Daniel Goleman had a study where they had 20,000 executives randomly selected about 4,000 executives and they looked at their leadership styles. They found basically there are six styles of leadership. There's directive, do what I tell you. Visionary, come with me. Affiliative, people come first. Participative, what do you think? Case setting, do as I do now, and coaching, try this. The styles that rely on position, power, and prestige, which is directive, do what I tell you, pace setting, do as I do now, have a negative correlation on work climate. They create a negative climate of work. It is the least effective form of leadership. So, whereas the other ones have a positive correlation with work climate. So, if we think we can use position, power and prestige to lead, this is where we have what leadership experts say, we have authority, but we're not a leader. People listen to us, but they don't respect us. People obey us, but they're not inspired by us. This is what I call a negative energy form of leadership where people do the least they have to do and we bring the worst out of the team. Now, leadership experts say there's a limited time and limited place for this sort of leadership, maybe in times of crisis or war, but it's of limited use and it's the least effective form of leadership. Whereas what we want is positive energy leadership where we bring the best out of people and we inspire them. So how do we do that? Well, that brings us to the second thing that Jesus would say to the leader, and it's this. To lead is to serve. To lead is to serve. Not so with you, Jesus says. Instead, whoever wants to become great among you must be your servant, and whoever wants to be first must be slave of all. For even the Son of Man did not come to be served, and Jesus is talking about himself here, but he came to serve and to give his life as a ransom for many. To lead is actually to serve. Now, if you work in an office, sooner or later you're going to come across the office Christmas party ritual, where if it's your birthday, everyone else we have to chip in to buy a cake, we have to chip in and buy a card and we have to write in the card and we don't know what to write because we don't know you. So we have to say something like, happy birthday. Yay. And then we sign it. 
and then we surprise you hey it's your birthday then we pull out a cake we sing you happy birthday but then this is what i don't get on your birthday then we run away and make you carve your own cake that you did not ask for and then you have to serve everyone else now think about it on your most important day of the year you find yourself serving cake to everyone else but that's the essence of leadership it's because you're the most important person in the room you serve that's what it means to serve the general who does not advance to seek glory or does not withdraw to avoid punishment but cares for only the people's security and promotes the people's interests that general is the nation's treasure sun zu and simon sinek in his book on leadership leaders eat last argues that the essence of leadership is to eat last it's to serve and to lead is to sacrifice yourself for the good of the team and simon sinek would argue that right now we perverted leadership and we're doing leadership wrong because all our leaders well most of our leaders they're doing the opposite they're sacrificing the team for the good and the gain of the leader so we have all these negative examples of leadership adam newman as you know ceo former ceo of wework a wework ipo last year and then tanked and lost a lot of money but not before adam newman got out and paid himself a gazillion dollars in bonuses he sacrificed the good of the team for personal gain Lance Armstrong, seven-time winner of the Tour de France, but now we find out he sacrificed the moral good of the team for his personal gain. And Steve Jobs, pin-up boy, rock star, CEO of Apple, but now we realise he was a horrible person to work with, disloyal to his family and horrible to his own friends. They sacrificed these leaders. They sacrificed the good of their team for their own personal gain but simon sinek says leadership doesn't work like that a leader sacrifices themselves for the good of the team in fact that's why you become leader because we know you're the one who can sacrifice yourself that's why you're the first one over the trench that's why you're the last one off the ship to be a leader the essence of leadership and the reason why you're important and you have this position of leader is because we know you'll sacrifice yourself for the good of the team but now we think why would i want to do that why would i want to sacrifice myself for the good of the team well this brings me to the third thing that jesus says about leadership and it's this to lead is to have a vision to lead is to have a vision and jesus says this for even the son of man and he's talking about himself here the son of man did not come to be served but to serve and to give his life as a ransom for many jesus vision is this he has come to save the world now let's say i told you i have a friend called thomas and thomas has a very nasty cold who here feels sorry for thomas all right sympathetic crowd largely unmoved dispassionate i get it asians private emotion i know inside you're very very sad for thomas you just don't want to show it on the outside all right who here is sorry for thomas come on all right more people now okay well i've whipped you up into a frenzy we're all sorry for thomas aren't we like he's got a horrible cold all right let's say i told you thomas has his horrible cold because he was up all night gaming <laughs> who here is now sorry for thomas 
Okay, the gamers. The gamers are sorry about everyone else. No, I'm not sorry for Thomas. But let's say, say Thomas is sick because he was up all night helping his wife give birth to their first child. Oh, now we're all sorry for Thomas. Okay, what's the difference? Why are we not sorry for Thomas here, but we're sorry for Thomas here? Because here, Thomas got sick because he was engaged in a very self-absorbed interest. He was doing it only for himself. So I think, okay, it's his fault. I don't care. But here, he was serving a greater vision a greater cause, a story bigger than his own story. He had a vision. It's not just enough to sacrifice yourself. You have to have a vision worth the sacrifice. So Jim Collins, in his famous book, Good to Great, where he talks about his five levels of leadership. Uh, level one, this is w working way up. So level one is where we're just the highly capable individual. Level two is where we're, ooh, the contributing team member. Level three, the competent manager. Level four, the effective leader. And level five is the level five executive. But what is the level five executive that the other four levels of leaders don't have? It's this, a paradoxical blend of humility and strength. Now, we all get the humility thing. We want the leader who has a servant, sacrificial heart. We don't want the rock star CEO. We want the wizard behind the curtain, self-effacing, humble serving. That's who we want. But notice, it's a paradoxical blend of humility and strength, strength of vision. It's not just enough to have sacrifice, there has to be a vision worth the sacrifice. Harvard Business Review, Daniel Goldman again, leadership that gets results. Out of the six styles of leadership, the most effective one is the visionary leader. Come with me. There is a vision worth the sacrifice. Simon Sinek, in this book on leadership, start with why. Leaders shouldn't just tell you what to do, they need to tell you why we do what we do. There needs to be a vision worth the sacrifice. And this is exactly what Jesus says. For even the Son of Man did not come to be served, okay, that's serving, but to serve, that's serving, to give his life, that's a sacrifice. But what's the vision, Jesus? What is the vision that's worth the sacrifice? It's this. It's to give his life as a ransom for many. It's to save the world. But now we're in a very uncomfortable place, aren't we? Because we have a choice. Choice one is this. I don't need saving. I don't have a problem. Jesus didn't need to die for me. So he shouldn't have died for me. That was a waste. And that makes him not a great leader, but a fool. That's choice number one. But choice number two is this. Jesus is a great leader. He died to save me, and I need saving. I'm broken, I have sin in my life, and Jesus came to die for me. And if we make this choice, if we can humble ourselves enough to let Jesus be our leader, Jesus will also be our saviour. And if we can humble ourselves enough to say that, that will not only make us a great leader, but it will also give us the vision that Jesus had, the vision that Jesus died for and the vision that we can live for.
So our question today was this. What would Jesus say to the leader? This is what Jesus would say. Leadership is more than position and power. In fact, that's the least effective form of leadership. Leadership is about sacrifice and serving. But leadership is having a vision that's worth the sacrifice. And that's what Jesus gives us, a vision that's worth the sacrifice. So I have a friend called AJ. We used to play a lot of rugby together at university. But then when we started working, AJ played a game of rugby and he found himself at the bottom of a ruck with a big tongan standing on top of his head. And at that moment, AJ, my friend, had an existential crisis. He said to himself, I don't have to be here. I actually do not have to be here. Why am I here? And from that moment on, AJ never played another game of rugby. <laughs> we have the same question. Why are we here? If we don't know why we're here, we don't know how to live. And if we don't know why we're here, we don't know how to lead. But if we let Jesus be our leader and saviour, we know why we're here. We're here because there's a God who loves us, a God who made us, and a God who saves us. And if we can humble ourselves enough to let Jesus lead us, we will have his vision, the vision he died for, and we will have a vision also to live for. All right. Uh, well, thanks again for that inspiring talk, Sam. Um, I learned a lot about leadership. <laughs> so, um, always full of helpful things uh, when you come along to Feb Talks, and I hope you got a lot out of it as well. Um, by some of the questions, I can see that um, some people have, you've got some people out there thinking as well. Um, so, uh, I'll start off with a question. Um, you've You've made it quite clear what a good leader looks like. Right. But do you think personality plays a part in being a good leader? Wow. Well, obviously we all have different styles. We all have different personalities. Uh, but in the end, I think it comes down to those leadership styles that we saw in Daniel Goldman sings, uh, that in the end, personality doesn't matter as much as we think it would. In fact, um, Jim Collins' book, Good to Great, exposes that myth because we all think we want the charismatic, upfront, extrovert leader, but they found that that is almost the worst leader to work for. They will burn you out. They're very self-serving, self-absorbed. What we actually want is the quiet, introvert, wizard behind the curtain leader, surprisingly. So there's a limited time and space for the crisis leader, they call it. So that's that dominating power position leader. That, that was the number one one. I can't remember. Um, Dictatorial, I call it, but there's a different name for it. So, limited time. Yes, times of crisis, times of war. Like, if there's a fire in the building, that's the person we want to get us out of the building because they're not going to hold your hand, ask you how you're feeling and how your morning's been going. But that's the only time you need that sort of leader. But for the rest of the time, uh, we need the other forms of leadership. And I think personality only plays a little part. In the end, we all have personalities, but we work towards a bigger vision than just the personality. We use our personalities to serve the, the vision of leadership. Mm, nice. And um, what about this? You talk, talked about this combination, this kind of uh, paradoxical combination yeah. of having both humility and sacrificial service on the one hand, yeah. but 
strength and vision on the other hand yeah um how do you get those together how do you balance those yeah so it's fascinating isn't it? because if you're just humble without strength or vision you'd just be a doormat people walk over you and people actually wonder i thought we wanted a leader you know like, like not someone that would just give in all the time but if all you had was strength of vision that strength of vision is self-serving. So again, it's uh, what they call the narcissist leader. It's all about me promoting myself and making myself powerful and great. But if you put the two together, that you have a strength of vision, but it's a vision to serve and empower the team. They said this is the revolutionary thing that mainly Christianity came and flipped around, that up until then we thought the, the whole point of leading was for the team to serve me and make me great. But with Jesus and Paul's letters, especially in Philippians 2, because uh, the Greco-Roman Empire had a view of leadership which was about being great, strong and powerful, but Jesus comes around the first century and flips around and goes, no, 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 it's all about making your team great and powerful. It's actually the other way around. I lead to serve the team. So strength of vision, uh, it's, it's act- and the vision is a, is a sacrificial, humble vision. So the mm. two together make you a great leader. But one by itself doesn't make you a great leader. Yeah, it's, a, it's amazing when you see this uh, and you see all of this secular current research like the yeah. on the cutting edge of, of leadership research going wow um it's about humble leadership who taught that well it was jesus right yeah. and you go it shouldn't surprise us that yeah. jesus way is the best way yeah so Pat, um, it's book when it came out just only like 10 or 20 years ago just revolutionized all forms of understanding leadership and then that daniel goldman harvard business review that came out in 2000 up until then everyone really thought leadership was about the greco-roman style making myself great mm. but, and all these through empirical research intuitively finding out what's been in the bible wrong no leadership is all about serving being humble and we see that in the story James and John coming up to Jesus because they had that view of leadership. Hey, in your glory, let us sit at your right and your left because they thought that's what it would be. And Jesus says, well, you don't know what you're asking for. You're asking basically to give your lives up for the team, for the world, because that is what I'm about to do as a leader. Yeah, that's right. Um, That is so profound. Um, Follow-up question on that. Um, Do you think that people will interpret this kind of humble leadership, sacrificial service leadership as weakness? Yes, and that's why it's very important to keep selling the vision. And so people will get it. Oh, that's what's going on. And in fact, I can be, if I'm allowed to be really, really personal, uh, I remember about five or ten years ago, we hired you as youth group leader. And I sat you down and told you the vision of being the youth leader is, and everyone thinks being a youth leader is being the man on the mountain saying, come, follow me, we will die in this mountain together. And I said, if you do that, you will burn out and you will burn out the youth. I want you, as your role, to be the invisible, introverted, wizard behind the curtain who empowers the youth and the leaders uh, to mature and lead. And we both say, well, the problem was the parents would turn up and think, where's the youth group leader? What are we paying him for? Like, if he's invisible. And I said, that's why we have to keep explaining to the parents what the vision is as well. So we have to keep selling the vision as well as being humble. 
Yeah, that's right. Uh, it's worked. Like, like, it's like that video showed the product of your wizard behind the curtain leadership. <laughs> like that, that, that was the fruit of all that work ten, five or ten years ago. Oh, it's so I was beautiful. so proud when I saw that up there. <laughs> me, me too. And now they're all leading worship. Oh, it's it's so awesome. Yeah, and that was not musical real... at all. That's so right. I, how you did that. I would have been rubbish. <laughs> that, was a, that was a game changer for me. And I'm like, yep. oh, that totally makes sense. Yeah, because otherwise you will burn yourself out yep. and you'll burn out the youth as yeah. well. Yeah, if we hadn't have had that chat, I'm sure I wouldn't have lasted at yeah, all. Yeah, and it would have been performance-based, about <laughs> metrics, KPIs. That's yeah. right. Um, so, next that's question. The thing. That's the other revolutionary thing. We thought leadership was about hitting metrics and KPIs. It's all about, am I making the people, the team, as good as they can be? And yeah. that's the metric. Yeah. That's and we saw that. Yes. <laughs> amazing. <laughs> they are amazing. Yeah. They are amazing. Let's hear from the youth leaders team. Yay. They, they are amazing. Yeah. They do an amazing job. And I think in, in, in all of um, these young guys leading our youth, I see those two key qualities of that, that strength and vision and that humble sacrificial service of everyone oh, I've totally. got to yeah. work with here. It's so good. Um, so... Uh, Jesus sacrificed in an obvious way in the end with his death on the cross. Yeah. What are some ways he sacrificed during his life and how can we be emulating this now in our time? Hmm. Wow. He certainly, I think one thing he really, really sacrificed was his reputation. So he always hung out with the marginalised, the oppressed. Uh, so they would tag the sinners and the tax collectors. And so the people that no one should hang out with. And it really harmed your reputation. Even that time where he met the woman at the well who, who had to come out by herself in shame. And even he, she said to him, why are you talking to me? Like, uh, why do you want to drag your reputation? down with me so that's one thing he did sacrifice his reputation and people used to criticize him for that so yes he lost his reputation he also seemed very happy to sacrifice creaturely comforts you know like he was all often um, relying on the hospitality and generosity of others when people want to follow him he used to say are you sure you want to follow me because uh, Foxes have a home to live in, but I have no home. Like I have nowhere to put my head. I don't even know where my pillow is going to be tonight. So he seemed to sacrifice that. But again, all that is all very nice, unless there's a strength of vision. Like, you know, if I just suddenly went out tonight and stepped on the ground with a rock as my pillow, that would be foolish, unless there's a good reason to do what I was doing. And Jesus had a great reason. He said, you know, it's not the healthy who need a doctor, it's the sick. So he saw his mission as a mission of salvation to save what he called sick people, people broken, people hurt, people guilt and shame in their lives, people sin in their lives. And as I was trying to say in the talk, that leaves us with this awful dilemma. We obviously Jesus is, oh, isn't that nice? He did those things, but he really didn't have to. Or we say, you know what? He had to. He had to. There was no other way but that Jesus, the Son of God, had to come and basically die the death I should have died. So until we can actually say that, he actually died in my place. None of that makes sense. Yeah, totally. That that makes it real when you yeah. when you explain it that way. Like, if if Jesus went through 
all of this suffering and there yeah. was no real purpose yeah then it was foolish right there was no like my friend at the bottom of the rugby ruck yeah you know, i'm suffering but there's no point to this like i'm the fool and the same if jesus suffers but there's no point mm. he's the fool you know but he's we say you know hang on he was a very wise leader there's mm. a wisdom maybe he had to suffer mm. and the only way it makes sense is he actually died the death i should have died yeah, that's right. And that really brings it home, doesn't it, for each one of us to go, well, yeah. have I accepted that fact that yeah. there was a real reason Jesus had to die? Yeah. Mm. And that was because I need to get right with God. Yeah. Mm. And, yeah. Um, so, uh, last question. Sure. Um, how can we maintain and communicate? We talked about um, like being like Jesus in humble, sacrificial servanthood. And you kind of started answering this already, I think, but I'll ask, answer, ask the question anyway. So how can we maintain and communicate a strong vision in line with Jesus' vision? How can we maintain that and keep communicating? How can we maintain? I think just always remembering why we're here. So there are three questions that no one can answer uh, unless there is a God. One is, why am I here? Who am I? And where am I going? And I think it's nice every morning to recalibrate. Just spend five or ten minutes to say, who am I? All right, I'm a child of God. I'm made by God, loved by God, saved by God. Uh, why am I here? Well, it's to be part of Team Jesus now. I have a belonging. Uh, and where am I going? Well, my future is with Jesus in his kingdom and in the meantime it's to spread as much love justice and mercy here on this planet that is my vision and suddenly everything falls into place so everything that we do no matter how small or mundane is part of this bigger story that Jesus now has for us mm. this is so good are we recording Q&A <laughs> yes we are oh, we awesome. can go back and listen yeah. to this later um, that's awesome mm. thank you so much Sam you know it just so happens after this series of Feb Talks yeah. in March. We're doing a series on vision. Awesome. Do you know that? Yeah, yeah. So that's a nice segue. That's a nice plug. Hey, you yeah. come, come back in March. Oh, I can't wait. <laughs> that'd, be, that'd be even better. <laughs> no, no. no it, won't, it, will, it will be good, but it won't be better. I can, couldn't top this. So this has been so good. Thank you, Sam. Um, thanks for the awesome talk, awesome Q&A.